0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball, and today, to my great delight, we're joined by three of the marvelous teaching assistants from the Modern and Contemporary American Poetry Course, also known as MODPO, uh, that I and 35,499 or so others have been immersed in for the past ten weeks. Amaris Kuchansky, Max McKenna, and Anna Strong, welcome. Thank you so much Thank for having you. us. It's great to have you here with me today. Um, Amaris and I have become old friends already. <laughs> <laughs> that way, that, well, I feel like that as well. Uh, but Max and Anna, I feel like I know you both quite well too, <laughs> probably more than you know me. That's
0: that's um, for sure, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and perhaps that's part of why ModPo works so well, that you know somehow through the variety of mediums, the pre-recorded videos and live conversations. There's kind of, despite the number of people, there's a kind of intimacy, isn't there? Uh,
0: certainly, yes. I think that there is. Um, we tried to create a, a sense of intimacy, and as you just said, you feel like you know us better than we know you. But at the same time, it, it we're sort of having kind of an intimate moment now, a sort of moment of, of connecting and meeting new people. And I think that that's part of. Um, what's been happening, too, that even though there is this sort of divide where you get to see us, and we don't really get to see you, actually, we wind up, we've, over the last two months, we've been meeting lots of, (laughs) lots of Monpo people.
2: And I think that's really one of the only ways that this, that the whole model of teaching a humanities course online could really work, is you have to be able to feel that sort of, like, connection, and that sort of, like, personal connection, that's not just the fact that you get to watch us. Discuss in the videos, but also, you know, we have to be in the forums, too. We have to be active, otherwise this model really kind of falls apart.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's, there's this real sense of, um, and, and maybe this is only in the last couple of years that this is possible, but that, you know, there's a, there's a social link between us through, even through the extended social media like Facebook and, uh, and Twitter and, you know, all the other social medias we've been using to connect
3: Yeah, that's very true. I think that's something new that Al actually did going off the Coursera platform, even as it is, and branching out into more,
2: I just, known forms of social media like Facebook and Twitter. And the webcast, too. I think that's something that's probably pretty unique to ModPo.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, not everyone listening to this will have yet had the pleasure of (laughs) experiencing ModPo. Um, I'm sure they all will. Eventually, if I keep raving about it, as I have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But can I just ask you each briefly to give me your own definition of the course? And if you like, I'll do it. I'll do it Alville-Rice style, so you don't have to talk (laughs) over each other. So, Amarice? (laughs) Um, Well, I think ModPo is
3: a very innovative way of teaching poetry and humanities in an online forum. So for the first time, we're reaching thousands of people across the globe, speaking in different languages, um, communicating at all hours of the day and night. Um, And so curriculum-wise, I would describe it as a survey of modern and contemporary American poetry, but it's become so much more than that. It's become a community and really an experience.
0: Uh, Yeah, I agree entirely with what Amari says. Um, I think what's interesting about the course is that it's, I mean, in the most basic sense, it's a 10-week course about modern, contemporary American poetry, um, the way the syllabus is set up, the trajectory we've been tracing, we've been following a, a sort of evolution of, of an avant-garde uh, movement um, in American poetry. And we've also been very... Uh, we've paid a lot of attention to and been very interested in in movements and um, communities and the way that that's always been a, a sort of recourse for, for the avant-garde or the sort of poetic outliers. And I think that, funnily enough, what we wind up now with Modpo is a, again, a community. We, um, we've, we in tracing the evolution of these communities and these movements, we've, in a way, created our own community and movement.
1: Hmm. I, th-
2: I think for me, I would define Modpo in a word as, as challenging, um, not just because this is material that um, a lot of people have encountered before, but also haven't encountered before. I think what the course kind of, Forces you to do is really think about like what poetry is and what poetry means, and in terms of like how it functions in an educational sense, it really asks you to consider like your traditional notions of education and how those work with modpo. Because really, like you can't teach this material in a super traditional sense. Like Al shows this. like you can't get up and lecture about this. You have to, you know, trust the wisdom of the crowd,
1: I think he says a lot. So,
2: challenges, i would be my word. Yeah.
1: Yes, the wisdom of crowds is something that um, keeps coming up, um, partly because I just read that book, <laughs> but also because, um, I mean, for me, but, you know, just watching how things evolve and even how we bring in the poets to talk with us as well.
0: Yeah, precisely.
1: Yeah, that's mm. been a
3: lot of fun for me as well, just to sit in on conversations that these poets are informally having in an online medium. it's kind of um, one of the surreal aspects of the course is that suddenly, <laughs> you know, you're reading a poet and he leaps off the page and sort of into this virtual life form. Yeah. Um, kind of <laughs> setting. So especially a lot of the repartee has been really amusing to read. And we weren't expecting that at all. That was like a total
1: surprise. Yeah, that was a that, surprise
0: for everybody. Actually.
1: Yeah. That was, <laughs> it, even just seeing their names with the word student next to the, you know, Christian Bach student. <laughs>
0: That's great, actually. They're like, just to to have those categories shaken up, you know, to have the mm-hmm. poets entering tagged as students, <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> right? And even things like Kenneth Goldsmith or Kenny G, I, I can't call them anything other than Kenny now, um, saying, you know, oh, maybe I should be taking this course because I know so little about poetry.
0: Well, exactly. Well, I think that's typical that was Kenny irony. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, how did you get involved? Was there an application process? Uh,
0: no. Um, Al, when we were putting this together a couple months ago, Al just had some people in mind. He tapped some people, and it was, I don't know, sort of a ragtag group, uh, no application process. None of us actually in the videos are graduate students um, or, or current graduate students. So it's, it's yeah, I don't know what the rhyme or reason really was. A um, number of things.
3: I know for me personally. I, I'd heard about it, um, and then I just... I thought it was interesting to ask Al if I could just volunteer to sit in that corner <laughs> and then Al being Al, the way that he likes hearing everybody's contributions, he invited me over to the table, and that's how I sort of got swept into the whole thing. But I feel very lucky that that happened because it was totally by chance that I heard about
2: it and by chance that he took me on. Well, for me, it was uh, I been I was meeting with him because Al is actually my academic advisor. I'm a current senior, and uh, we've been talking about because he – Uh, asked if I would be interested in in TAing for the quote-unquote live version of the course, which is taught, you know, to Penn undergrads. And then he told me about this project, and I think I, like, couldn't speak for a good, like, couple of minutes after he told me, like, what we were going to do and what we were going to try to do. I was just, like, floored that this was, like, even a possibility, and I was so excited about it, like, just from the very beginning.
1: And and you've kind of become celebrities. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, in some respect, and I know that's maybe not the point of it, but um, with so many people attending the course, you're really sitting in the middle of, um, you know, like a galaxy.
3: I guess it's interesting to get, Anna's had several experiences being recognized (laughs) on the street, which I'm sure she'll tell you about. (laughs) It's Um, terrifying. It's terrifying. And some
1: some poetry as well, I noticed, (laughs) written for you. That was so
2: embarrassing. (laughs) So embarrassing.
1: No, it's, it's it's awesome. I mean,
2: the most recent one. I'm currently uh working part time at the Philadelphia Inquirer, which is a Philadelphia newspaper. And uh I was in the elevator. This is just like a couple weeks ago, and I was in the elevator and there's a guy who just kinda kept like looking at me sort of sideways and we get off on the same floor. And he looks at me and he goes, "Mod potier? <laughs> like, And T and like me this like nod, like, Yeah And I was just like, uh, hi <laughs> But, yeah, these are always kind of crazy moments. And I know Molly has been recognized, like, just randomly in the street, like 15 blocks away from Penn. you know, someone will just stop her and be like, hey, you're a mom And she's like, what?
3: (laughs) But at the same time, though we get recognized, I like that that doesn't lend any sort of authority. So even in the forums when we're talking with people, they feel totally at ease, showing resistance, sometimes with
0: very fiery
3: phrasing. And that's been fun, Uh,
0: too. And I think that 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 celebrity or, or... or recognition element. I think it's kind of maybe more of like a byproduct of the format more than anything else because we've created in a sense this sort of this this little television show that you can that people are tuning into every day, you know, for for, for 10 weeks and and there is like a certain drama that that's going on. I mean, not not really like an interpersonal drama, but there's a certain drama of of ideas and and people you know, people are watching us evolve as readers in this yeah. class, watching us uh, evolve as a group, too, in the way that we interact. And so we do kind of become characters, in a way, um, in those videos.
1: Yes, it, there's there's a fascinating um, self-referential thing that we could probably talk about. But uh, is this the first – this is definitely the first um, MOOC-type modpo, isn't it?
2: Uh, I don't think I, – I don't think I can say for sure, but it's – probably among the first, mm-hmm. uh, as far as, like, humanities go, that, like, this particular format.
0: Um, Al has taught versions of the class, now, of course.
1: Um But is first the first time it's been done online well, to so many people at once? This is, the first, this is
0: probably the most successful, however we want to measure that, uh, version it has, of it, um, and the most comprehensive and it, it has to do a lot with the fact that Coursera, as the format, is is, is pretty good um, compared to earlier online learning formats. They, they, they've they've been thinking about it a lot, and we're sort of tweaking that whole system and the way that that works. Mm.
1: And have did it meet your expectations? Was this kind of we, we're almost done, um, sadly, but um, is it kind of what you expected it to be like?
2: Not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting maybe five, 6,000 people in it. I was expecting, you know, I don't know what I was expecting out of the essays, but it's just every single week I'm surprised again and again by how, I guess, engaged people are and how interested they are and mm-hmm. how, like, critically they're thinking about this. Because, you know, I told my mom that I was doing this. My mom's, like, an insanely busy person. And I was like, you should do it. Like, it'd be cool. Like, you haven't done you know she's an english major like you haven't done poetry in a while and she's like i'm never gonna have time to do anything like this and she hasn't <laughs> sorry mom but <laughs> i'm just like these people like you know they have their like daily lives and if they keep coming back to Modpo po and the ways that it's kind of like worked its way into their life it's just it's surprising every every time i think about like what what this has been this whole experience
1: Mm. It's sort of a poetry, there's a paradox inherent in poetry, isn't there? And that, you know, we've got 35,000, 36,000, whatever the actual number is, people who are, you know, deeply in love with the poetry that we're studying in one form or another, you know, I know there are variations, some things are hated, some things are loved, but, you know, deeply engrossed, and yet poetry doesn't sell. (laughs)
3: That's true that's a good that's
0: so point important. um yeah that's that's a good point though uh, poetry doesn't some poetry sells um but I mean even thirty thousand people as a market is not like a big market, so even I imagine that lots of uh that there's lots of poets who sell more than thirty thousand copies of their their books i mean obviously there's many who don't but um uh, yeah, it's it's funny, actually, how that, that works out. Um, I mean, if it were, I, I think it would be a little different if 10 million people were taking the class. Um, okay. But but 30,000 30, is a, it's still a pretty small market, I
3: think. And I think that's what's so great about the MOOC, is that for the first time in a while, people were able to test the waters of poetry and maybe attempt something that they had all these different stereotypes previously. And poetry, in its essence, is the genre, I think, and as as a market is so anti-capitalistic in nature that it's great <laughs> to see that now 30,000 people even um, are providing a market for it in some sense. And beyond that, I mean, beyond any sort of like financial sustainability of this, of course, they're finding enrichment in their lives, which is the most powerful thing that I think has come out of it, that um, people have been able to like bond and share intellectual <laughs> aesthetic
2: ideas because of the MOOC medium sure and imagine this i mean one person taking the course really gets attached to say ashbury or like or anyone like that tells a friend gosh like i'm reading this amazing poem like you should really check this out and all of a sudden you have this chain of people you know maybe it's a little bit idealistic but i sort of imagine that happening just uh, from the stuff you see on facebook of people really like wanting to say listen i read this and this is amazing you should see this too so Mm.
1: definitely a flow-on effect and of course Social media being what it is, you know, people are blogging about it, they're talking about it in all sorts of public forums that go well beyond that 35,000 in the class.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree. It's probably creating a community outside of what we're even aware of, all the different meetups that are happening. I mean, I'm sure everyone who's been enthusiastic has been telling at least one family member or friend about their experience, so... If ModPo were to happen again, I would expect a much higher enrollment rate, which is yeah. both daunting and <laughs> thrilling
0: to think about. Jeez, yeah, especially yeah after after that kind of exposure, that initial exposure, um, yeah, I imagine it would be pretty big the next time we run it.
1: Mm, for sure. Um, okay, one of the things which is coming out particularly in this last week is this notion of play, um, playing with language, like what we've done with the chance poets and, of course, flarf. <laughs> Um but also in effect playing with one another, I almost feel like we're on the boards, we're like kids in a schoolyard. There's a lot of a lot of interactive play inherent in this process, isn't there?
3: I mean I definitely I that's what I love so much about it is that you get into the forums and it's not this High intellectual academic battling ground necessarily at all times. It is really playful and fun in nature and people are punning and linking each other to articles. I mean, I think in particular um, what would sort of epitomize this phenomenon is recently Kenny's response to a high amount of criticism and resistance to um, his book, Soliloquy, um, which he records and transcribes the day of his speech, I mean a week of his speech. And students were just not holding back at all and Kenny wasn't holding back in his ironic responses. And I think it just shows so much how, um, and Kenny said this himself on the forums, that the discussion that comes out of the poetry is really part of the value of the po- the poem in itself and that's so much of the fun and the purpose of the entire class.
0: A play is such a, that's a, g- a good question, play is such a it's such a liberating kind of, of, of thing or, or activity um, and yeah, I've been seeing more. Uh, just digging around the forums, you find more and more people who are, as Marie says, um, suddenly more more willing to to pun or to sort of explore a playful side to language or even a poetic self um, that before they were maybe not so sure about. And <laughs> not to say that everybody has this like secret poet inside of them that's just waiting to come out, but rather it's 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 an idea that you come around to. Um, if anything and there's there's great pleasure to be had in it there's great pleasure in in reading and in text and and in listening
2: and I think that's why uh we had the the fourth essay assignment to be uh to to do a masastic or a an exper like a Bernard mayer experiment yourself It's you know not only to play around in the forums and how you talk about it but to actually do it yourself and experience like what that's like
1: yes i I feel too that um in the structuring, and, and Amaris and I chatted a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago, with the way in which Al has structured the course has very slowly opened us. <laughs> so that I, you know, I think if we were thrown into, um, for example, the florists in the first week, or, you know, some of the chance poets, some of the, the certainly the more, um, more challenging and more playful poets right from the start. I think it, we would have struggled, but we've slowly been we've slowly been opening over the, the time period, so that we, we're kind of ready for this now.
3: I think that's definitely true. It started with the introduction to many, um, which was the concept of close reading as an approach. Mm-hmm. And what I find particularly demonstrative of the success of it is that people are now bringing their own readings, so they're not just accepting the readings that we give them or sort of thinking, oh, this must be true, um, as we've gradually moved from what we would call
0: more conventional
3: language to more challenging and experimental forms of arranging and playing with language. The fact that people are coming out very strongly substantiating their own their own interpretations has been really nice to see.
0: I, I think that... Again, that's part of the what's great about this format is that we see um we we see this sort of this trend that, that the that the syllabus wants to uh wants to trace. We see it getting kind of enacted, um, in a way among all of the participants in the forums. Um and so yeah, if if we had started with the FLARFists people would have checked out right away. But, you know, FLARF is a movement that comes that comes later, and it is informed by this this whole history of of modernism and and the avant garde. And so, so yeah, I guess ideally, people who who you know follow it through from day one will themselves, um, along with the poetry, sort of open up to to those sorts of ideas, to what we find in the later the later chapters, the later weeks.
2: And we're definitely not trying to, like, indoctrinate anybody as far as, like, now you've learned all this, and you have to like this weird conceptual stuff. <laughs> um, we're definitely not, you know, trying to, like, push that on anybody. But I guess the goal is to at least give you a sort of a vocabulary to at least be able to think about it. Um, and you can take it or leave it, you know, like, the uh, the goldsmith stuff, the florist stuff. Uh, but at least, you know, it makes you think. And what the whole platform and the whole, like, curriculum, the way Al's built it, like, he knows exactly what he's doing. And he's mm-hmm. done this many times before, and, and you know, he, I, I think he wants to at least give us a, a way to talk about it and think about it.
1: And I love the way we've gone, in some ways, gone full circle as well, that, you know, Dickinson and Whitman have come back in their ways, <laughs> right, right into the most postmodern work.
3: That's true. I think a huge part of it also is... Um, in, enabling people to make connections so the fact that people are linking back and Achilles had a great question on the webcast of how we can how the modernist poets would respond to current day farfists and that was a really great way to really think about um intertextuality which is you know one of those jargon terms that we keep <laughs> keep you know keep getting thrown around but it's really like how poets talk to each other
2: across mediums and across historical periods and in the, the final exam for the uh For the undergrad version of this course, uh, Al has what he calls intersubjectivities, where he basically asks the students to think, like, what would the Dickinson of The Brain Within Its Groove say to uh, Charles Bernstein in A Restless World Like This Is? Mm -hmm. And it basically asks you to think about, you know, how would these two people interact? You know, what are these different poems, like, saying, how are they similar, how are they different? And... You know, it's it's a really interesting way to think about like how all these different poetic threads kind of tie together because cause they do if you're if you're willing to do the work to find the ways ways in which they do.
1: Mm, and what a wonderful way to break time down as well, <laughs> to, just, to have uh, Bernstein and um, and Dickinson chatting with one another. <laughs>
0: <Thank
1: you. laughs> um, look, I, I felt like I opened thoroughly through this course in in ways I never could have predicted, but there were a couple of things that went just a little further than I was comfortable with, <laughs> not so much aesthetically, um, but philosophically. There were just a couple of points where I thought, no, I'm not, I'm not going there. Like easy plagiarism, for example, um, that notion that copyright is no longer important, just for me was one of those things I'm still struggling with. And also um, Kirouac's lack of editing as a philosophical stance. Were, were there any aspects of the course that you simply couldn't run with that you just thought, okay, that you know, philosophically, I'm not going to, I'm not taking that on board.
3: I think, I mean, I I definitely had a lot of doubts going through the whole thing. It's even hard for me to enumerate all of them because there were countless ones. But I think through discussion on the forums, um, what a lot of people learned through the recent, there was a lot of resistance to the chance poets and um, actually forums are quieter, I think, as a result of it. Um, But the fact that people were still talking about it and they were still productive of um, different interpretations, and I was able to join in, in that and pose my own questions and think of my own conclusions, sort of brought me around in a sense, um, because if that conversation was possible, there must have been something there that bothered me enough to to dwell on it. And um, so in that sense, even if I wasn't fully convinced of all of the concepts running throughout the course, I did recognize them and their significance to some extent.
0: I My hang up um was probably with the the aleatory poets in that i think we we wound up getting into a weird place in terms of interpretation and and in terms of uh, philosophizing or theorizing about how poetry gets produced um and having difficulties sort of uh seeing these lines between between chance operations and an intent, uh between um sort of you know, using a system to write a masostic and then and then omitting certain words like like Cage does. And I think not that I have I mean I I understand it, I I, I get what it's about. Um I just think it's a very difficult sort of thing to talk about. Uh Coherently, <laughs> I think I think it's really tough, um, and I also agree with you, Maggie. I think uh, I don't completely buy Kerouac, but um, I think what he's I think what he's doing and, and what he's saying I mean, as as a sort of uh, artistic statement or even political statement, is is interesting and important, even if I don't believe that it's possible.
1: And what you just said, or maybe you know, maybe there's a link between those two things. That you know, it's okay for Jack. Kerouac to not edit, because he brings in a certain capability that other people might not have. Um, And and it's the same with the chance poets, that, you know, there's so much that you bring in with your innate talent and capability and experience that it's hard to discount that and say it's down to purely chance.
0: (laughs) It's... Well, I think that someone like... Well, actually, John Cage wouldn't, though. Part of John Cage wants to say that it's all up to chance, and then there's the other part of John Cage that says, and then once in a while, you know, I I, I change it a little bit, <laughs> and so it's 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 really hard to say. It's a really difficult question, I think, it's, mm-hmm. and it's one that's that I don't think we can do justice to in in the course. Um, I mean, I I would love it if we could, and I I think that maybe we can in the forums, but it's not. It's not something that it's not a question that can get solved. And, and
1: it's not it's not an easy one. And it also comes back to the notion of uncreative writing as well. Sure. Uh, you know the question of whether originality is really a burden that needs lifting. Um, you know, does do the desire to make it new really hold us back, or you know, are we bringing in more creativity even when we're pretending to be uncreative than we like to say? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, someone Anna.
1: <want> <laughs> uh, I guess. Uh, I mean,
2: the whole thing with uncreative writing is that it's not so much about making it new in terms of like the language, but making it new in terms of the context is that, you know, the language is already all out there. You just need to re, you know, you just need to recontextualize it so that people can experience it in a new way. And I guess that's why I'm sort of okay with the kind of appropriation aspect that I guess some people see as plagiarism. For me, it's, it's more just, making me experience something that I've already seen in a totally different way. And that's enough for me to be okay with it. Um, and like, you know, I mentioned my mom earlier, you know, she's a copyright lawyer, so we've you know discussed this <laughs> at, at length, you know, so she's like all about you know intellectual property and stuff. But for me, you know, if it, if it makes me think and it makes me feel in a totally different way, like the way you experience Stein and then the way you experience Stein 100, it's totally different. And that, that's enough for me.
3: And I think it's also the difference between whether you're deciding to be resistant to a concept or an intention versus the results of that. Right. And so it can be productive in itself, um, just to be in confrontation with that, without necessarily being convinced or for that to be the end goal. Um, and I, I think yeah, this came up a lot, and particularly in discussion of Kenny's Kenny's work, um, because he is so provocative in what he tries to do. Um, And and that that is one of the things that I was resistant to, I'll admit, but um, seeing his responses and having this idea of encountering poetry in all all language that's around you, not just what's on the page or what's been recorded as an MP3 and then affixed to a wall in a museum and labeled poetry um, is just a new way of coming to language, which is what I think these poets are ultimately in their extreme forms
2: trying to do. And we got a preview of that, right, with Duchamp. You know, he's totally just recontextualizing the urinal. And that's, I mean, it's so forward thinking in terms of, like, what, we, what we're what we seeing now with the conceptual stuff. So, intersubjectivity-wise, there you go. There's another one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, what's next for ModPo? Are there more courses in hand? Is there a ModPo 2 in the pipeline?
0: Uh, yes, um, there is it's the details aren't uh finalized yet um but it seems like at the moment we will rerun the course um perhaps next fall uh make uh with with a new group of, of community tas that we'll be sourcing from the from the forums
2: and modpo and its current incarnation will remain online and available for a year uh, which is great news for a lot of people. So, those forums yeah. will still be accessible. The, and
0: the readings. The, the readings, videos.
2: the videos, everything will still be there for people to come back to if they, they feel so inclined.
3: And I know we're trying to make lots of improvements to the platform. So, all the technical glitches that we experienced yes. the first time going around, even though there were a lot of things that worked um, pretty well and higher than we expected, and better than we expected, um, hopefully we'll, we'll be sort
1: of glitch free <laughs>
3: <Yeah. laughs> um, next year.
1: I had no glitches. I would like to just say. It <laughs>
0: All
1: right. Amaris, Max, Anna, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today and for putting your hands up so enthusiastically and really for the whole thing because it's been fantastic and, you know, I have gotten so much out of it. I'm sure everybody has. And uh, your own personal contributions has been amazing. So we're nearly out of time. But before we finish, can I ask you each to just say, and we won't gather in... Um,
0: <laughs> gather paradise.
1: <laughs> paradise. But can I ask you each in turn to just say a couple of words, just a few words about your own work and where listeners can find more about you and about Modpo.
3: Um, well, me personally, I'm currently just being a research assistant for Alma, applying to grad school, hoping to go the PhD route. I don't know if my work cannot yet be found online. I'm working on uh, my own creative work, but this Montauk experience has been a lot of fun, and it's been a privilege to be part of it. And it's been fun talking to you, Maggie, so thank you.
0: Um, I'm also working at the Writers House as an assistant, and like Amaris, applying to uh, doctoral programs here um in the states uh, hopefully for next year um as for my work i think all of our work actually most of the most of the writer's house people you can find our stuff all of in one way or the other um on the writer's house website uh and yeah there's there's our faces are here and there there's things that we're in and doing <laughs> um so yeah we have we've left the we have a footprint there that's for sure
2: uh i'm a a current senior so i have one semester left of undergrad and then i'm uh also in the process of applying to doctoral programs i had no idea the three of us were doing that you were we applying
0: are. to doctoral programs too?
2: yeah oh wow <laughs> okay well <laughs> um but i'm also currently working on my honors thesis in creative writing which is going to be a collection of prose poems um i have no idea how that's going to turn out but you know it's you know, this whole experience has been, you know, pretty helpful for that. Um, and I guess as far as ModPo goes, I mean, I'm just amazed constantly. I, this has been so incredible for me. And it's really kind of shown me, you know, the combination of doing this and helping to uh, teach the undergrad version um, has been just incredible. And it's really shown me that, that teaching is really uh, something that I really want to pursue. So it's I'm just so incredibly thankful to Al and to everybody who did this with me and to all of the students uh, for helping me so much on that kind of personal journey of, Oh my God, I'm a senior. Where the, what am I going to do? Where the heck am I going (laughs) to go? So this is just, just amazing.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again. That's all we have time for, but don't forget to join us next month when we return to our regular scheduled program of author interviews. Bye. Thank you.
0: Thanks Maggie.